Our football team was like the kid that plays second French horn in the school band. We got to play better. That's why I don't read the newspaper. Because it's garbage. He had shoulder surgery on his elbow. Shoulder, shoulder, shoulder surgery on his elbow. All the band is out on the field. He's going to go into the end zone. Well, first of all, what kind of mythical powers does a Sun Devil have? We got to consider that. The kids are playing their tail off, and the coaches are screwing it up. If worms had machine guns, then birds wouldn't be scared of them. Down there, wide open's Gallon. They left him alone. Yeah, I don't know if anybody saw me trip on the way in. Did anybody see that? <laughs> A lesser athlete would have gone down. sports fans and welcome to first and inches i am kevin wise i'm joined by my co-host patrick smith and we are sponsored by milwaukee tool nothing but heavy duty this is a week nine picks pod welcome patrick hey kevin how's it going it's going very well how are you i'm doing well happy to be real close to ann arbor michigan on this friday night Yes, and so for this one, this will be our first in-person podcast here. Normally, Patrick does live in Cincinnati. I am here in Royal Oak, Michigan, but we are together for uh, the annual Michigan-Michigan State game, which obviously lives very close to our hearts. We'll talk about that and more in a moment. Plan for this week's episode is we'll go through all of the games, the major ones here, um, by their time slot. We'll start with the noon slate and move all the way through till the uh, prime time. Sounds great to me, Kevin. How are you feeling overall about this week coming up? Uh, feel pretty good. I think there are some pretty big games, uh, which is nice. Um, definitely some things that have implications not only for the college ball playoff, but also for uh, probably conferences and people positioning themselves pretty well for um, championship runs. Yeah, I think the week shapes up with a lot of big games with big spreads and favorites kind of moving their way through the season, but a lot of rivalry games on this slate and a lot of games where, you know, if there's a week where you see a big upset shaking up the landscape of college football that you didn't expect, it's probably week nine. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think there are multiple teams that have, you know, the proverbial look-ahead spots here or teams that are coming off big games who may be taking these opponents a little bit lightly. So, um, you know, we can get right into it here and see what we think about some of these. So uh, again, we'll start at noon here. And first one we have are the Ohio State Buckeyes traveling in to Happy Valley to play the Penn State Nittany Lions. What are your thoughts here? So I'm going to give you two different game scripts for this game that have been bouncing around in my head. And I think one of them is probably going to be the way this game shapes up. And I'm curious which script you think this game takes. I think there's one script where Ohio State, the world beaters that they are, come out with the best offense in the country that they've shown week after week. And just like Michigan did to Penn State, they pretty much slaughter them, wipe the floor with them. Penn State doesn't even belong to be in the game. They run them off the field from start to finish, despite the game being in Happy Valley, and Ohio State just kind of runs away with it. 
I think the other script feels a lot like the games we've seen James Franklin play against Ohio State in the past, where, you know, he dinks and he dunks and he chips and he recovers some really unexpected plays, and they lose in heartbreaking fashion in the last two minutes of the game. And I think James Franklin has proven that those are the only two outcomes he can have against Ohio State. I mean, the last time he beat them was 06, and this spread is huge. Um, so I find this game difficult to pick against the spread. What do you think? Yeah, I think there are a couple specific matchups that I find pretty interesting in this one. Um, you know, I, I think that we got a good look at Penn State a couple weeks ago when they came to Ann Arbor um, and played Michigan. Obviously, the, the strength of the Penn State team, from what you know, I can ascertain, is really the corners. They have a couple stud corners, so it'll obviously be interesting to look at. Ohio State is just this wide receiver factory right now, producing absolute studs, multiple first-round picks a year probably. Number one, can can the back end of that Penn State defense really keep up with the Ohio State wide receivers? We will see. I think if they're able to do a little bit of man coverage and generate some extra guys to, to rush, then that's probably their best shot. Will, how does the Ohio State offensive line do against probably the best pass rush they've seen so far this year? You know, they were slowed down a little bit by Iowa. Iowa Jack Campbell probably is a little bit stronger in kind of the linebackers, but that's the... Can Penn State get, get some pressure or do they need to drop guys back into coverage? I think that'll be the whole game because I think if they, you know, Ohio State takes the top off the defense multiple times with 60-yard passes, then we know what the outcome's going to be then. That writes the script of the game right there. If Ohio State can do that, I think this game's over quickly. I think we would be remiss to move on from this game without talking about big game James Franklin and his lovely stat line. Got a couple numbers for you. Um, 0 and 10 against the top 10 since 2015, 7 and 18 against OSU, Michigan State, and Michigan, 11 and 17 against top 25 teams. So yeah, James Franklin just doesn't win these games. I don't think the question is whether he wins; it's whether he covers in the way he has done in the past. But this is not a game that I see Penn State winning. My pick for this game, I think that. The weakness of Penn State, as exposed recently um, against Michigan specifically, was their inability to stop the run game. Ohio State isn't really built to do that. That's not uh, Certainly they have the pieces to do that, but that's not the way they like to play offensive football. They like to take the top off of you, beat you through the air on short passes that turn into big plays. So I don't think Ohio State is going to change completely the type of offensive football they play to match this um, matchup. Um, So I like the under. I don't think Penn State offense is going to do much. Ohio State hasn't been tested by much, but I don't think Penn State will do much. Um, And I don't think Ohio State is going to throw points on the board in the way that Michigan did. So I like the under in this game. Okay. Um, I was back and forth on this one, to be very honest with you. Um, Part of me does look at this uh, as kind of a bounce-back game for Penn State. I don't think they're going to win, but do I think that they could possibly keep it close, make a few plays happen? You know, I'm sure that, um, you know, uh, home game, it'll be rocking there, even though it is a noon kick. Um, I'm looking at the weather because this has got me a couple times in the past. We've got a noon kick. It should be about 50 degrees, no precipitation, beautiful, sunny very good game to pass the ball. Very good game to pass the ball. Very, very far. Uh, my pick here would be give me Ohio State even with the 15-point uh, spread. I think this one, I, I just think they could open this up very quickly. And I think that we're getting to the part of this season, this will be a common theme moving forward, is that 
style points matter now. And I think teams understand that. And I think Ohio State has to look at this as that they have the possibility to lose this game, or I should say win this game at Penn State, and let's say they lose to a Michigan or they have, you know, just like a clunker down the road and still get in. So they, they need style points too. I think mm-hmm. you're going to see a lot of teams are going to try to run it up um, tomorrow. Just one little bit to fight you on that pick. Um, would have been You have to go all the way back to 2009 to find a score line where Ohio State would have covered as big a spread as this. And that's that was part of my cause for pause is I, I know that they always play these, you know, the, the storyline is Penn State plays these close and loses. You know, relatively, relatively close. Those were the scripts. Relatively close. Um, but I, I think that this year, uh, Ohio State knows that, you know, it's not a great, not a great schedule for Michigan, not a great schedule for Ohio State. And when you win, you got to win these big, and that yeah. matters. Yeah. So you choose game script one, the Ohio State shellacking. Yep. All right. Let's move on. Um, Notre Dame heading on the road to face Syracuse. This is a game that we talked about um, a little bit a couple weeks ago as a game where I think we all talked about on the podcast this being a big dub for Syracuse when we looked ahead on Notre Dame's schedule. And I don't know about you, but I feel a lot shakier in that position now that I've dived in a little bit more to the game. Um, I think this game could be a lot closer than I thought two weeks ago. Um, What is the spread for this one going into kick? Uh, So uh, spread, it's, 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 in New York here, Syracuse is uh, favored one and a half. Um, you know, I feel the same way. I know we were a little bit down in Notre Dame, probably rightfully so. I mean, they have obviously had a pretty down year. And I think that, you know, things I always look at with these games is we have, again, new head coach, relatively new quarterback. That just creates unstable, you know, volatile situations with teams. That being said... Notre Dame's roster is just better than Syracuse's. You know, Syracuse has players. Sean Tucker's obviously, um, you know, one of probably the 10 best running backs in the country. Um, you know, Schrader there at, at quarterback, transfer quarterback. Um, you know, he's serviceable. He can make some things happen. Um, you know, how many times am I going to go back and pick, you know, my dad went to Notre Dame. I can hear him in my <laughs> ear just like, come on, you know, pick the Irish and, you know, Maybe it's time for a little luck of the Irish. Okay, sometimes it's better to be lucky than to be good. Maybe this is the game where you know Notre Dame goes on the road, a couple things bounce their way. Um, I think Isaiah Foskey is going to wreak absolute havoc against you know Syracuse. Um, this would be kind of the second time they've had to def- face a defensive line that's just bigger, stronger than them. Eventually, that's got to wear you down. I'm going to take uh, Notre Dame. Yeah, I think this game is going to be one I keep out of my picks um, and not one of my official picks um, and probably a game where I wouldn't lay any of my hard-earned money on the line because I think this game just shapes up as a low-scoring, body-blow type of game where somebody's going to have the ball in the fourth quarter and either win or lose the game. I don't really... You know, I just feel way differently about this game than I when I looked at it on paper two weeks ago. I think... Notre Dame is the more talented team. Um, Notre Dame is twenty and one in their last twenty-one games against ACC opponents. They just their roster is typically built different than most of the ACC. Um, and I totally agree with you with what you said, kind of about the body blow theory with Syracuse, like coming off just three really good defensive lines, including Clemson and now Notre Dame. That is a tough situation. Um, 
for a team like that to play three straight games like that in the middle of the season. So um, a game I'm staying away for, from, um, but I would lean Notre Dame at this point if I had to make a bet with the points. I don't know if I've ever made a <laughs> like a, a pick on on one single defensive line player more than this, but it just seems to me like Foskey is absolutely cooking right now. He mm-hmm. had two blocked kicks last week. <laughs> I, that's just an insane stat to me. I mean, I that so I I think that he's he's really rounding into one of the best defensive linemen probably in the country. Um, and I think Syracuse is a little bit better in their pass defense than their run defense. And when Notre Dame has played pretty well, that you know they, they get their run game going. Um, so I, I see a path to Notre Dame victory here. All right, what's our next game in the uh, morning slot? Uh, so um, it depends if we wanna. We can actually jump ahead here probably, and um, get to another big rivalry game. Formerly known as the world's largest cocktail party. No longer. No, no longer. Why was um, that, Kevin? Any idea why a bunch of college students at a football game that they call the world's largest cocktail party like may have run into some trouble? In in Jacksonville, no less. Um, I'm sure that there were uh, a number of issues. So I'm sure that now that it's no longer called that, like nobody drinks, right? It's just a nice, calm game day scenario, tranquil, right, serene. Right, right. The, the the name change completely um, took took care of all those problems. Way to go, administration. Way to yes. get the job done. Yes. Um. So, um, in this one, obviously Florida strong start to the year. You know, Utah comes in into the swamp, beats Utah. Uh, everyone's pretty high. Anthony Richardson's going to win the Heisman. Um, he's the next coming of Cam Newton. That has all proven to be false um, in recent weeks here. However, um, you know, Georgia is favored here by 23 and a half. And that is just a huge number. Woo! Um, Georgia's home in this one. Or, sorry, it's in Jacksonville. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I can't, me personally, um, that number is, I do have a pick in this one, and 23 and a half in a rivalry game is, is just massive. Florida still has an SEC roster. They still have good players. They can run the ball sometimes. Anthony Richardson has that breakaway ability. We saw that 80-yard run early, earlier this season. He has, you know, um, that in his arsenal. And I think that could this game end up, could you know, Georgia win by 21, yeah, and that would be a cover. So it's very hard for me to take 23 and a half. I would feel even better if I got up to 24, so I could have that 24-point um, push. But right here, I think that, the, you know, the Gators will do enough. Yeah, this is a tough game. I, I kind of went back and forth on, on this one, and thus is not one of the ones I am going to pick. But I'm leaning Florida on this one. And let's just go through some of their recent games. So they just played Tennessee at the beginning uh, or at the end of uh, September. Uh, they lost by five. Um, they played LSU. They lost by ten. They played Kentucky. They lost by ten. This is not a team that typically gets blown out in SEC play. They usually kind of ping pong back and forth with them until late in the game, where one team pulls away. Um, and we've seen this team be talented throughout the season. I mean, Anthony Richardson is a talented quarterback. He moves the ball around, um, and he moves around outside of the pocket a lot and makes great plays um, in open space. I think he will have a lot harder time of that against the defensive line of Georgia. I think Georgia is going to keep him in the pocket a lot more than Florida will like, and Georgia will win comfortably. 
but Florida is not a team that is typically getting blown out, and I think that they have enough firepower to stay close enough in this game to cover the spread, but staying away. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's it's funny we talk about um, obviously the one of the narratives this season with the, with the Big Ten is who has Michigan played, who has Ohio State played, and um, even after the Penn State, people can say that you know Michigan's only played one team. Who has Georgia played? Um, <laughs> no one. They, well, they played so you know Oregon. Oregon. Um, but you know that it's a week one game, and you know it's just funny looking back at that game. It can go one of two ways. You know, people can all of a sudden say, "Oh, well, you know, the Oregon fans write it off now. Oh, well, it's a week one game, and, and it doesn't mean anything." Um, I don't know. I don't know what it means. But besides that, they haven't played. They have not gotten into the bulk of their SEC play yet. Next week, Tennessee comes to town. I think there's a possibility for a look ahead there. You know, we, we got um, Hendon Hooker and Josh Heupel and those guys. That's going to be, um, you know, Athens will be rocking for that. But um, I just, I think Georgia's obviously the better team. I just think there's the, the spread is too high, too much for me. Fair enough. I, you know, I agree with you. I just think the spread for this one is too big. Um but we both know that Georgia can be elite at times, and that's that's just what shies me away from making a pick on Florida here. All right, so moving on, um, also in that afternoon window, um, at Kansas State, Oklahoma State hits the road. Um, Kansas State is one-and-a-half-point favorites in this one, um, and I do have a pick for this game. Do you? Um, well, so general thoughts about this first. Um I don't know if there's a more disrespected team in the Big 12 than Oklahoma State. Um, sustained success over years. I mean, they're in the conversation. They end top 15, top 10, win 10 games, go 10-2 and two or 11-1 and one every single year. You know, people are absolutely dogging them. When they played Texas, um, you know, they took care of business. I understand Kansas State has some talented guys, but just general thought here about, about Oklahoma State. Um Moving to Kansas, just uh, Kansas State, just for a second. Um, I do like uh, the they've got players on both sides of the ball. Um, obviously, um, they have the defensive end Felix, who's going to be po- probably a first round pick. He's a stud. Um, but then, obviously, you know Adrian Martinez playing much better. Leaving, Is he going to play though? Leaving the dumpster fire that is Nebraska. Well, he may not play. Will Howard played pretty well in in relief for him. Will he, Will, Will Howard, Howard play? play. Right, you know, we, we don't know. We um, have no idea who the starting quarterback for Kansas State will be in this game. Both players, both option one and option two at quarterback, remain questionable going into Saturday. But I will say, um, the people who probably know best are located in Nevada in a city called Las Vegas. And right now, they have the line favoring the Wildcats one and a half points. That tells me that probably Martinez is going to play. What that tells me is I know for damn sure that third stringer isn't planning on starting. Yes, yes. So they, you know, they they probably know something uh, that, that we don't. I think Martinez will probably play, um, but I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's in it's in Manhattan, you know, Kansas State. I can't. Kind of a toss up for me. I don't I don't have a pick on this one. My pick is Kansas State. Part of it is based on the injury situation and the Vegas insight that you mentioned with them still being favorites. 
Um, clearly, Vegas kind of pegs this as a pretty even game with pretty even teams with a little bit of quarterback unknown. Um, the fact that they still have Kansas State as the favorite also tells me that either one of those two top guys is probably taking the field, and I like them with either one of them based on the way Howard played last year, based on the way Martinez has played throughout the season. And I think Oklahoma State also has a little bit of the body blow factor coming in. Like That was a tough um, game against Texas coming off into a game where I feel like they're pretty even matched and I think Kansas State um, just has a little more firepower in this one so I have Kansas State um, against the spread minus one and a half on my picks gotcha and if and if anyone hasn't had the chance to watch Kansas State yet if you want to hop in to a little hot tub time machine I'll tell you how to do it many of you NFL fans will remember Darren Sproles absolutely electric tailback who could also return kicks um, a little diminutive in size but makes up for it with um, agility quickness um, can still run with some power Deuce Vaughn is not Darren Sproles but he's getting close kind of a second coming in the same uniform when I see that purple and silver and I see that the running back just you know making guys miss all over the field you know it takes me back to uh, watching Darren Sproles play Deuce Vaughn is a dog yeah just an absolute dog all right, moving on, we go to another huge game in the SEC this week. Big look-ahead spot for one of the teams. Tennessee hosts Kentucky, 12.5-point favorites. What do you like in this game, Kev? So, um, first, I'm, I'm out on the pick here um, just because, you know, so they're, it's, in, uh, it's in Knoxville. Word rumor has it that Nyland has uh, field goal posts again. Uh, <laughs> I didn't watch the game last week, but that's what that's what I've heard. I did see field goal posts. You saw field there goal posts. Is, there is still so, a nice, pretty, beautiful set sitting in the river over there. <laughs> but we do got some freshies. Uh, sponsored by uh, GoFundMe. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't think Kentucky got a lot of love early in the year. That was primarily based on beating a Florida team that we think now is not a fraudulent team, but that we definitely think was probably a little overrated. We think about them a little differently. Yeah, a, yeah. after that win. Probably more of a slightly above average SEC team than truly an elite SEC team. Besides that, Kentucky really hasn't impressed me with much. I, I'm not high on Will Levis. I get it that if you made the height and, and speed and size of a quarterback, it would come out like him, but so would Anthony Richardson. But I, I don't look at Will Levis as this game-changing first-round quarterback that a lot of people do. I don't really get that. Um, I think actually Chris Rodriguez in the running game and their defense is probably what, you know, is Kentucky's real strength in terms of Tennessee. Um, I don't think, is Cedric Tillman back for this? Do we know that definitively? Not sure. Not sure. I, I don't think he is. I could be wrong. Uh, someone can fact-check me on that. Um, but I like Tennessee. I like Tennessee relatively big. It just does that come in the form of 10 or 17 or 24. So I, I was out on the pick. So I have a pick on this one. I'll make it simple. It's Tennessee. Tennessee's going to win big. Um, I think Tennessee's most vulnerable spot on the field is probably their back end. And I agree with you. I like Will Levis as a player, but I don't like their passing attack as a whole. And I don't think they're taking advantage of Tennessee on the back end in this game. Um, they have some pieces, but they haven't proven that they can take advantage in situations like this. They strike me more as a dink and dunk type of team, and they have no shot at keeping up with Tennessee in this game. Um, so I like Tennessee big. I'll take the spread, minus 12.5. And just a little alert for all you D-gens out there, 
12 and a half is a great teaser spot in my mind to add Tennessee with another team, do a six point teaser, get this spread down to minus six and a half and take them as a touchdown win. Um, so I like Tennessee a lot in this game. Why don't we step into the Big Ten a little bit for a night game that both of us will be intimately familiar with, a game that has probably given us, um, probably lended a lot of spook to spooky season over the last several years, and probably has both Kevin and I in a little bit of PTSD land at this point in time. Yeah, um, if I have one um, wish for this weekend is to not hear trouble with the snap. Um, you know, that would put me in a pretty bad place. It would um, put me in a very bad place as well. So Michigan State hits the road, comes to Ann Arbor, primetime, night game, blew out in the big house. We'll see how that looks. Um, and they come in as 22 and a half point underdogs. Yeah, I even have 23 here. Um, so initial thoughts. Michigan State obviously having a down year, year that started with some decent expectations. Um, Michigan coming off huge win against Penn State, then a bye. Um, however, Spartans kind of picking it up too after that. You know, that, that's a nice win against Wisconsin. A small turning point in their season, yeah. maybe. Um, une- unexpected for where I think, you know, they, they were going. Um, getting, some, getting some guys back. Henderson. You know, Henderson? I think, I, yeah, I Henderson, Henderson back. played against uh, Wisconsin, so... And he adds a lot to their defense. I'll give yeah. him that. Overall, overall thoughts on this. Um, Michigan State still has some players. We already mentioned Henderson, um, Jacoby Windham there on the you know kind of edge linebacker spot is an absolute stud. Um, I think that you know Michigan State probably lacks consistency, especially on offense. However, they do have weapons on the outside. Jaden Reed and Keon Coleman are guys who can break some big plays. Michigan obviously wants to. Um, use that offensive line, wear you down with the running game, passing game a little bit more unproven. I think that's still fair to say. And, you know, JJ's still a little bit turnover prone at times. Um, I do have a plan on this one. Give me Michigan State in the points. Um, I just think 23 is a huge number. Now, we talk about game scripts. I see this going one of two ways. If you're Michigan State, I think there's one road to victory, and that is get the ball early and get up. Try to make Michigan pass the ball. I think that that's how they have. That's their only chance. Like if they win the coin toss, if I'm Michigan State and win the coin toss, I take the ball. I take the ball. I try to go to those outside guys. Try to take some shots. We'll see how Michigan State's line holds up against the pass rush by committee. You know that Michigan puts out there now, um, and try to get Michigan into passing situations early. And that would be their best shot. They get down early. Michigan's just going to run it straight down their throats uh, and win the game. Devil's advocate. Again, we're in the point of the season now where style points matter. Blowing people out matters. You know, when people go to look at and, you know, possibly Michigan's thinking about a playoff appearance here, Big Ten title, um, you want to win and you want to win big. And I think Harbaugh has, and the rest of the Michigan team has not forgotten last year. And this is a situation where I could see Michigan up, you know, 28 points in the third and starters are still in. So I could I could see it going over the 23. I just think that, that it, you know, based on principle, rivalry game, usually close, huge number. I'm going to take the points. I think that's a very reasonable choice in this game. The spread is huge. Um, 
interesting spot. You know, both teams coming off of a bye. Not often that you get two teams coming off of a bye in a rivalry um, game. Um, Michigan State has always been an annoying team. They play Michigan in annoying ways. They beat Michigan in annoying years when they probably shouldn't. Um, But I don't think that's this year. I don't think the team is built in a way that can beat Michigan. Michigan is going to be better at every position on the field, in my mind. Um, Michigan State has bad units all over the field. Their passing attack is inconsistent. Their secondary is probably the worst Power 5 secondary in the league. Um, They don't stop the pass. Um, They don't score overall, and they give up a ton of points. Michigan is going to be much better than them in this game, and I get it. Michigan State has had Michigan's number over some of the past years, um, but I don't see it happening this year. Um, For example, advanced metrics, recent Michigan State updates. Michigan State's, you know, 15, 20 spots behind Michigan. Michigan State is dwindling in the advanced metrics, like down in the 50s in S&P+. They are behind Tulane, Troy, uh, they're behind the Marshall team that beat Notre Dame. Like, th- those are not teams that scare me um, if Michigan were to play them this week. This Michigan State team is worse than those teams. Um, and honestly, I think substantially worse at times. Um, but they are annoying. So I, I, I think that Michigan will cover this spread. I'm not My bet is not on the spread. I like a different bet a lot better because I think that the way Michigan attacks this game is not the way most people expect. I think Michigan will take the field with a passing mentality, with a mindset of beating Michigan State through the air, growing a lead, and then running the ball when they can later. Um, that might come as a shock to people who just watched Michigan absolutely obliterate Penn State on the ground. But this Michigan State secondary is so bad, dude. They are so bad. Um, they can't cover. They can't tackle. Um, when people catch the ball seven yards past the line of scrimmage, they turn into 70-yard gains because their safeties can't cover or tackle. Um, so I think Michigan blows them out of the water through the air specifically. And so my bet on this game and my lock of the week is over for J.J. McCarthy's passing yards. The number is 223.5. I would not be surprised if he goes over 300. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I do. I would challenge you and say that I think if you know Harbaugh wins the way he wants to win, that that is an under. That JJ would go under that. Sure. If if he if he wins the way that he wants, I I see a scenario where there's an under. I do still think Harbaugh keeps a couple in the chamber. Um, and I think that this is one of the games where, you know, some of them aren't the best plays, but some that we haven't seen yet. I, I think Harbaugh wants to win. I think he wants to win big. Oh, Harbaugh wants to win this game. This is a revenge game for Michigan. Like, despite being Big Ten champions and just being the best team in the Big Ten last year, Michigan State still beat them. The players don't forget that. These players are in an in-state rivalry. This is a huge revenge spot for Michigan, and they will be coming for their throats, I think, in this game. Um, I agree with you in some sense, that Harbaugh might not want to win with 300 passing yards. But I I still don't think they're coming into this game wanting to crush Michigan State on the ground. I think they know their key advantage in this game is J.J.'s arm. The reason Wisconsin couldn't beat Michigan State is because they have Mertz, who can't do anything against anyone. He looked awful. 
But the the best mismatch in this game is JJ and Michigan's wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends through the air against Michigan State's just despicable secondary for the second year in a row. And I think, you know, I'm going to take my quick chance to get on my pedestal a little bit while we're still talking about Michigan State. And this school just looks exactly like a school that's coached by a guy who had a five and seven ish season in Colorado. Um, and then got hired away to Michigan State, managed to get a shoe-in Heisman winner at running back for one year, flash in the pan, and now is right back fighting for bowl eligibility, right back around where he was at Colorado. So maybe think twice before you drop super mega bags on a guy like that. And talking about uh, three and four teams with coaches that almost have a $100 million buyout we move into the next game of the 730 slate which is going to be the old miss rebels going into kyle field and playing the texas a&m aggies uh i'll start with you what are you have uh what are your thoughts here yeah so a little bit of a weird situation coming into this game i'm sure you saw some of the disciplinary issues for texas a&m this week some suspensions for some freshmen uh jimbo making some noise there um, this game is at Kyle Field. I think this game will be a good game. I think this game will be a close game. Um, I think Ole Miss comes in as two-and-a-half-point favorites last I saw. Um, I think A&M has the defense to keep them in this game um, for the full 60 minutes. Um, and my big complaint with Ole Miss so far this season is they come out with their foot on the gas pedal, their scripted drives look like world beaters, and then they just come back down to earth and get beaten in the second half, just like LSU destroyed them in the second half. Um, so I think this game is close. I don't think I like the spread uh, either way, and I'm not sure which team wins the game. The two bets I would consider in this game, um, none of them are my picks, um, but um, I would think about taking Ole Miss first quarter or Ole Miss first half just based on their recent game scripts. They seem to do better in the first half, and I think A&M's defense ratchets up in the second half and keeps this game a little closer, even if Ole Miss jumps out to a bigger lead in the first half. Um, and then I like the under in this game um, also as something to look at. I just don't think either of these teams are going to score a ton with these matchups in this game. Agree with almost all of that. Um I just have this feeling around this Texas A&M program that these next couple games are a turning point. Um, I hate taking picks on this Texas A&M team because they are a team that has enough talent to beat anyone. You know, they almost got Bama in Tuscaloosa earlier. Um and they do that pretty routinely, you know, they, they play Bama pretty well. Could that be a Jimbo saving thing? Yeah, maybe. Um, but then, you know, they can lose to App State. They can get blown out by Mississippi State. They can beat or lose to anyone. And I feel pretty strongly about that. Um, I would agree. But I think the new twist in the last couple of weeks is this off the field stuff, you know, with great... Um, great expectations, um, you know, come the possibility for great letdowns. And that's what I kind of feel like is happening with the, all these five stars and these high young recruits. These are still 18 and 19 year old kids. And, uh, you know, there've been multiple, dis multiple disciplinary actions this season. So we have that, that somewhat swirling. You just lost to South Carolina. Um, you've lost three in a row. Do the wheels fall off? 
Um, now, or do you circle the wagons? Ex- exactly. Um, and I think that you know, A and M has only lost one game at home this year. They're coming off three straight road games, which they lost all of those. However, the game they lost at home was to App State. So, you know, I just I think Mississippi State. I think it'll be a close game, like you said. But I think Mississippi State has enough to get it done. Um, I mean, Miss Old Miss. I think they have enough to get it done. I like that running attack. If you guys haven't watched. True freshman running back for Old Miss, Quinshawn Judkins. Do not know him. Absolute stud. Second in the SEC right now in rushing, I believe, behind Jameer Gibbs um, at Alabama. They had a tra- they had a five star transfer in Old Old Miss did, and this true freshman is still starting. I was watching him in the LSU game a little bit in the beginning when Old Miss was rolling. You know, he crazy burst. I thought he was gonna be a little scat back. He's about he's you know he's 5'11", 200 pounds. So he's got pretty good size. Just keep you know, if you get a chance, tune in the game, watch this guy, and then watch this guy going forward. I mean, it, true freshman, second in the SEC in rushing. No one's talking about him. He's gonna be he look he looks like he's gonna have a very bright career. I will have to tune in this weekend. Well, that takes us all the way through the night slate. Let's not forget for all you degenerates out there that there is an 11:59 p.m. game. Hawaii versus Wyoming. Don't forget to tune into that. But why don't we bounce around a little bit, Kev? What other bets do you have for this weekend? Who do you like? Yeah, so uh, I have I have two more that I, I feel pretty good about. Um, the first one is going to be uh, Wake Forest. So Wake Forest, 3.30 kick, going to Louisville. Um, three and a half point favorites, I believe. I got, I got them at three. Even better um so you know i am shocked that the line is this close um i know louisville has Malik cunningham who can make who's kind of dynamic he can make some things happen in the air make some things happen on the ground um i have a feeling you're about to mention a certain guy's name here yeah sam hartman um sam hartman i i feel pretty strongly that there is one of the most probably underrated players in the country he gets some love but um you know, base almost beat Clemson basically by himself. I mean, this guy, Wake Forest has some good players on the outside. They've got some good wideouts, but Sam Hartman is an absolute stud. And I think if you put him on any of these other rosters for these guys who are contending for the Heisman, put him on USC, put him on Ohio State, would be putting up just as good of numbers as any of these other guys. He's experienced. He's talented. Um, I mean, we I, know Sam Hartman's name for last year in a season that Wake Forest wildly exceeded expectations, and it feels like most people have already forgot about and stopped talking about. Like, this is still the same Wake Forest team that looked really dang good last year with Sam Hartman. Yeah, I I think I just think this is a, a, a bona fide top elite offense in the country. I don't see how um, Louisville would hang with them. And guess what? Fun fact. Wake Forest is six and one, six and one against the spread this year, and they're going to be seven and one against the spread because people keep doing this and they keep thinking the Wake Forest isn't a good team, and they are. They're a good team. They have a good offense. They will easily beat Louisville by three. Not only is that my pick, that's my lock. I couldn't agree more. I love Wake Forest minus the three. Um, I also like them like I don't know whatever alternate lines I can get minus six and a half minus nine and a half minus thirteen and a half I might bet them all um, because then I can not worry about all these other games that I just picked and will lose um, but as long as Wake Forest blows the hell out of Louisville like they're going to um, then I'll be golden. Um, why don't we go over to one of my last picks? Um, Stanford heading on the road to UCLA. 
something's wrong with this number. Maybe you can tell me, Kev. Um, Stanford team total over under is 24 and a half. Tell me how in the world Stanford is scoring 25 points on UCLA this Saturday. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, Vegas must, this is a good example where they truly must know something I don't because the the Stanford offense looks absolutely anemic to me. Um, I think we both agreed that you could almost make a case that the, the Notre Dame loss to Stanford was worse than some, some of the others, like the Marshall. Now, you know, Stanford has turned it around a little bit. They're 3-4. They're and four, You know, they're just absolutely rolling with, with these FBS um, wins right now. But I, I think 24.5 is, is just too much against a UCLA defense that, while not their strength, isn't bad. Um, I mean, it... The last two games, Stanford won 15 to 14 and 16 to 14. So uh, I don't expect an offensive explosion to get them to the mid 20s. Like, I don't even care if Stanford has a pick six. Where is 25 points coming from? Answer it's not coming. Stanford team total under 24 and a half. I like it. Okay. And while we're in the Pac 12. We'll go with my final pick here. 7 o'clock kick. We'll be kicking off the same time where most of you will be watching Kentucky at Tennessee. But my pick is for the uh, USC Trojans um, going to Arizona against the Wildcats. USC here favored by 15. Um, I think multiple things are playing into my pick here. Um, Number one, 15 is a pretty big number. Uh, I understand that. However, USC puts up points. Um, absolutely explosive offense there with Caleb Williams um, and Lincoln Riley uh, driving the ship. Um, I think USC, if you're in that locker room, still has college football playoff aspirations, and I think there's still a possibility and a road to get them there. However, I think that window is closing. And again, I think at this time when those teams look at it, they say, I got to win, and I got to win big. And if there's teams, you look back at the old Oklahoma teams, you look at this USC team, I think they look at this spot as a put-up numbers for Caleb Williams. I expect him to put up the numbers. Um, and I think also they, they see that uh, they see that, that Oregon monster coming, you know? And I think that um, this is the time to get right. This is the time to run it up. And so I've got, I've got USC big here. I think, you know, 15 is a pretty sizable number, but I, I like them by, you know, 21, 28, something big. Interesting point in that game. The over-under is in the 70s. Not really sure where all those points would come from with USC and Arizona. Both teams can put up points with 70s? I don't know. All right, my last pick on the card um, is Pitt going on the road at UNC. UNC is a how many point favorite now? One and a half? Let me, let me see here what we can, we can get. Three. Regard, three? Okay, so shifted a little bit. UNC minus three. Yeah. I still like it. Um, UNC gets pit this week. Pit offense is anemic. They don't have anything explosive. Um, and UNC, I think, looks pr- like Pitt has a decent running back. I will give them that. But UNC looks like a better all-around team to me. UNC's quietly put together a really, really quietly nice 6-1 and one so far with their only loss being to Notre Dame. Um UNC is just the more put-together team at this point, 
and I think UNC's ability to hit some explosive plays on Pitt's defense with a tendency to give those exact type of plays up has me liking UNC against the spread here as my last pick. So that gets us all the way through week nine of college football. Awesome. So thank you all for joining us. Um, and at the conclusion of all of these games, be on the lookout. We will have a recap podcast coming where we will go over all of the results from week nine. We'll talk a little bit about uh, conferences, the alignment, what we think, how people are positioning themselves for conference championship games and the championships themselves. Um, and also uh, Tuesday, we will have the first college football playoff rankings released, I believe. So we'll get into that discussion as well. And we'll, we'll release that pod here sometime in early to middle next week. And hopefully we'll spend a few minutes chatting about how Michigan absolutely shellacked the Spartans in Ann Arbor. And a uh, quick question before we leave, Kev. Any idea how long Tuck's commute is? Is, is he still coming? Is he here? Will he arrive soon? They, they say he's coming. That, that's what they say. You know, but we'll... Uh, with all the scaries I have, again, with the you know trouble with the snap, I will give it a little more time before I finally put the nail in the uh, Spartans' coffin for this season. Is it coming?